Well, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, um, you'll know that we've been focusing on a, on a verse in the Bible that really sort of sums up and captures our vision emphasis for this year. It's Ephesians 4.16. And um, it's taken from a letter in the Bible that was written to the church in Ephesus by this guy called Paul. And, you know, we talk about this chap Paul here often here because he was a really influential guy who, one of the first believers in Jesus, he started many of the churches, the first churches, and he wrote them these letters to encourage them, which we receive in the Bible. And, um, and, and as he did that, you notice that one of his favorite analogies, pictures that he used, was he, he would describe the church as like a body, where Jesus is the head of that body um, and where every believer is, is sort of a part of it. And Ephesians 4.16 is an example of that. It says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. And a couple of weeks ago, John was here. He was looking at that language, joined and held together, how we're all connected. Um, and then Ollie last week was looking at those words, grows and builds itself up in love, growing as disciples. Today, we're going to look at the last few words of this verse. It says, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And as I say that, you might um, be thinking, oh, I like the bit about connectedness. I like the bit about growing and being a bit about, why do you have to get, like, get all task-orientated? Talk about work. Um, but what I hope is that as we look at this, you'll see that this is describing something that's incredible, something that God is doing around the globe, uniting us and gathering us around this as one body around this united purpose. And that's why we're saying this year, one body, one purpose. And if you want to sum up what that purpose is, it's what the Bible describes as the kingdom of God. You see, we believe that God is he's constantly at work and everything that he is doing is moving forwards towards a better future. Um, a future where there'll be salvation and peace and justice and mercy and love and where everywhere you look, everything will look good and right in God's eyes. That's the vision of what the kingdom of God is. And the beauty is that this future has already begun. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and when he arrived, everywhere around him, wherever he went, justice, mercy, love, salvation, healing was breaking out all around him. And then ever since then, it's through Jesus' body, the church across the world has been working together towards this future. So we as believers have been enlisted and sort of swept up into this kingdom endeavor. And I know as I sort of described that, some of us, some of you, you might be like, oh, I like that analogy. It's getting me sort of like fired up. But for others, it might be better to illustrate how this works with a practical example. So let me tell you, um, let me tell you about Rose. So Rose, part of this church, and for over seven years, she's been involved in leading a small group um, over in the Arches. And um, that group, it went online during the pandemic. It's back now in person. She leads it together with Sarah, her friend, um, and Laura Hayton, Dave Ellis. And Rose explained to me that this group is um, it's one where people who have come into contact from the arches having you know, experienced um, challenges in life often. So for example, she said there are ex-prisoners, people who've been abused, people who spent time in care. In Rose's words, people that sometimes don't initially think that much of themselves. And one of the reasons that Rose is an amazing leader to lead a group like that is because she understands their experiences. Her own life bears the scars of trauma in previous um, years. In her words, she says, I grew up as the unwanted child of a mother who'd grown up in care. And Rose's childhood home was not safe. She was abused there. 
Um, and these wounds and traumas sort of bubbled out in, in teenage rebellions. She fell in with gangs. She was exposed to crime and violence. Um, in adult life, she ended up in an abusive marriage. But in the midst of all this chaos, um, she encountered Jesus. And she felt Jesus call her. And she came to faith. And she experienced healing and loving relationships in a church community. And she said, a little while you know, later, I got introduced to this new church that was a couple of years old at the time called Trent Vineyard. And she said, it felt like I'd come home. And uh, the healing, it took time. She said, uh, the rebellious streak was still there in me, but eventually Jesus did it. And of course, as part of this church, eventually Jesus led Rose to the arches where she could now help others heal. And she started off um, sitting in the reception there, welcoming people. Eventually, she was asked if she'd be up for leading a small group. And she, she recalls, she said, I said, yes, fine. But after the first session, I thought, oh, dear. These people did not sit quietly during the Bible study. Some of them came just to wind you up. But she said, I've learned that hurt people hurt people. And over the years, Rose and Sarah, who led with her, they just tried to create safe places where everyone could belong and where everyone is encouraged to play their part. Rose says, when somebody comes up to her and says, will you pray for me? She says, well, why don't you pray? And I'll stand here and agree with you because she wants them to know that their prayers matter and God's listening. In Rose's words, since lockdown, the group has been buzzing. Um, together, they spent in the time exploring spiritual gifts in the Bible, encouraging one another to discern how God's gifted them, how God could use them. She said none of them knew they had gifts. None of them realized they were special. They were so used to everyone else doing everything. But through the encouragement of the leaders, um, they got to watch as the group grew in confidence and they started to grow spiritually in this time. They started more and more to support one another, pray for each other. After exploring the gift of prophecy, they were amazed as God started to use them to speak into each other's lives supernaturally. And in the midst of it all, one member of the group who wasn't yet a Christian um, gave a life to Jesus recently. Reflecting on these last few months, Rose said, they have come to realize that they have gifts they know what they are, and God has a job for them. Isn't that amazing? This is what it's all about. And so when I say, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Do you see that story in there? That journey from connection, belonging, finding a community where you can get healed, growing, learning, discovering the person that God's made you to be, what your gifts are, and then playing your part, getting stuck in using those gifts. That's the story that God had for Rose. That's the story also that, that, that God's got for the guys in her group. But of course, it's also the story for all of us, isn't it? We are part of one body, united, pursuing one big purpose, as each part does its work. So that's what we're looking at today. So if the church is one big body... What kind of part are you? Um, perhaps you resonate with being a muscle, or I don't know, maybe anybody fancy being the gallbladder? Anyone up for that? Um, if you're a good listener, you might identify with the auditory ossicles, which um, if you're not a medic or a pub quiz person, it's these three tiny little bones in your ear, almost insignificant. Together, they're the size of an orange seed. But of course, if they're not functioning properly, you can't hear properly. Or another example, when is the, the last time that you gave thanks to the Lord for your pituitary gland? Um, it's, it's the size of a pea. It's somewhere in there. 
but it does loads of stuff. It regulates growth. It helps your body deal with stress by releasing cortisol. Releasing cortisol. It regulates your blood pressure. It even stimulates the contraction of the womb during labour. You know, when we look around the human body, it's amazing. It's easy to see the wonder of God's creative power, the beauty of this design, the way the synergy, the way all these weird and wonderful different parts somehow work together to make something that's so infinitely more amazing than the sum of its parts. And you know, these things, everything I've just said there is also true of this body that we are part of, the church, the beauty of God's design, the miraculous synergy, the way all of these weird and wonderful parts work together to something that is so more infinitely amazing than the sum of its part. And that's, I think, what Paul is talking about when he's using this analogy of the body. And there's a, an example in the, Roman, in the letter to Romans, um, chapter 12. I'm just going to pick it up at verse 4. It says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong together, it says. And it's for us to function, it's vital, as it says in Ephesians as well, that each part does its work. Now, in a big sort of church like Trent, I guess it is, you know, understandable that, you know, maybe if you've been serving on a team for a while, or if you've been leading a rotor or something like that for a few years, it is possible to look around and think, you know, I wonder if actually anybody would notice if I didn't do, if I stopped doing what I'm doing, would it really make a difference? And I think the answer to that question is 100% yes. You know, for example, what would happen if the host team had decided not to turn up today? We would all be using our glutus maximus in a slightly different way because there'd be no chairs laid out. Or if the person who was responsible for emptying the bins had forgotten to do their job last time, we would have been worshipping here probably with the rats and the mice this morning. Or if somebody had forgotten to buy the party rings around at Trent Kids, we'd have a mutiny on our hands over there. Or if you've ever, have you ever been to church when the person up in that little um, box up there forgets to click the words during worship? You know that experience? Just going to do a little reenactment of what happens. Yes, that's it. So it's like, in the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without lights. There's it in your eyes. Come on, do your job. We've all had that moment, haven't we? There are plenty of jobs like that, where when you do them, it may not feel like anybody notices, but if you stopped, people would. If the small group leaders stopped leading, if the compassion team stopped caring, if the finance guys forgot to pay the bills, for the church to work, it's vital for each part to do its work. And I think this is part of the point that Paul's making here. He's sort of saying that, yes, there is this corporate unity. There's one body, one purpose. But there's also a very real sense of individual responsibility. He says these members do not have the same function. And so here there is an element of discernment where, where each of us has to figure out what's the part that God's got me to play. Or, yeah, what's, what, what is he calling me to do? And what are the parts that he's calling other people to do? Like in a body, you know, you have to use the right body parts for the right jobs, don't you? For example, like your stomach, brilliant at digesting food. It's not very good at budgeting. You know, especially if you take it shopping when you're hungry, it spends all the money, doesn't it? Or um, when somebody in our house wanders around and says, Dad, where's my trainers? I can hear my dad's voice saying, look with your eyes, not your mouth. You've got to use the right body part. 
And it's the same in the church. There's no point me trying to be you or you trying to be me or him trying to be her and so on. We have different gifts, Paul says, according to the grace given to each of us. And, um, you know, I remember when I first started working here as a pastor, um, around about that time, well, it still is the case, but there were some amazing male pastors all around my age and they had amazing gifts. And I remember just falling into that trap of looking around and comparing myself. And I would compare my team building ability to the best team builder. I would compare my communication ability to the best communicator. I'd compare my wisdom to the wisest person or my sense of fun to the funnest person. And of course, I was comparing myself to this hybrid super pastor that didn't actually exist. But if you do that, all that happens is you just end up feeling like you're a failure every day. And so for me, part of growing was maturing to understand that actually God's given me some things that he's gifted me with and he's gifted others with other things. And I think this is kind of part of the point that he makes in Romans, carrying on verse six, says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion with his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. And it goes on, teaching, encouragement, different gifts. And I think In this, I don't think what he's doing is trying to give us like this exhaustive list of categories and we each have to go, oh, which one am I? Um, Because actually there are other lists elsewhere in the Bible where there's different different lists of, of gifts there. And so I think what he's actually rather saying is just encouraging us to consider what are the gifts that God's given me? And secondly, am I actually using them for his kingdom's sake? And so that's the two questions we're going to look at before we leave today. First, what are your gifts? And if you're not sure what the answer to that question is, um, I'd, just to encourage you, I'd say you're not alone. In my experience, I think many of us underestimate um, the gifts that God has put inside of us. And that's why I love Rose's story. Do you remember what she said? She said, they didn't realise they were special. They didn't realise they had gifts, but now they do and they're using them. It's so wonderful when a person begins to discover what God's put in them. A chap called Glenn, um, who was here at the previous service, um, he spent four years in drug and drink addiction, um, which he fell into after his marriage broke down. And um, although he wasn't a believer at that point in his life, he found himself crying out to God and God intervened. The next day, he stumbled across, across a Christian rehabilitation center and he, and, he, and he got a place there. And it was there that he came to faith um, and... Um, he, got, he started coming here, he got plugged into church, he got baptised here last October, but that's not the end of his story. He has continued to grow as a disciple of Jesus. He's begun to discover his gifts. He's moved out of that rehabilitation centre and into one of our um, Hope Into Action houses. He's growing in independence. Um, he spent some time training and working as a support worker um, at the rehab centre. Now he's got, he's got plugged into a small group here. He's, on, he's now on the host team here. So he's welcoming people through those doors who are coming for the first time like he did not so long ago. And um, he, said, he said to me this week, he said, I, I know that God has a plan to use my gifts. And he doesn't know exactly what that plan is, but he says, I know it's going to involve helping others. Isn't that amazing when a person begins to figure out um, what God's got for them? So if you're in that place of trying to figure out, well, what, what are the gifts that God's put in me? Here's some tips. First tip, um, consider what are the things that you just find natural and easy to do? Because 
Um, especially, you know, did you ever have somebody say to you, oh, you know, I could never do that like you, or, oh, it's, uh, uh, you know, that's amazing that you can do that. They find it hard, you find it easy. That's a great way of, dis- of discerning what might be your, what we might call our natural gifts, which is just really the way that God's wired you. Um, so, for example, you might be good, really good with your hands. You might be good at practical stuff. You might be good at just chatting to people and sparking up a conversation. You might not be so much of an extrovert. You might like having a really deep and meaningful one-to-one conversation. It might be that you're good at selling things. Um, it might be that you're a real rule keeper. It might be that you're a real rule breaker. Um, and to you, whatever it is, it may not feel necessarily like a gift. It might just feel like, well, that's just ordinary, isn't it? That's easy. No, it just is to you because God's made you that way. It's a natural gift. So what are you good at? Another question might be to ask, what are the things that you enjoy? So here's a little bit of disclosure, an example for me. I really do enjoy trying to explain things to people. Um, And um, just to illustrate that, sometimes when I'm out driving in the car and I'm listening to the radio and there's like a debate on the radio, I just have to get involved. And I find myself switching the radio off and then just trying to get my points across in this debate There is nobody in the car. There is nobody listening to me. I just have to do it. But for me, that's an indicator that that's just how God's made me. I love trying to communicate. Um, So what do you enjoy? Another way would be to explore some of these lists that are in the Bible of of spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are gifts that that the Holy Spirit gives us that complement that natural gifting Um, And God gives them to us for a purpose, for his kingdom's sake. And there's a slide here. If you want, if you get your phone out, take a photo of these three um, scripture passages, read through them later, pray, ask God to to highlight ones. And there might be some that just resonate with you. And if they're just going to leave that up there for a second. Um, And you might might find, oh, yeah, that's, that's me. It might be one. It might be a few. Um, it might be that, um, and the thing about these gifts is that sometimes God gives them to us for a particular moment or for a particular season, or it might be for a whole lifetime calling. So, for example, the gift of healing. I would say that I have occasionally, you know, prayed for people and seen, and they've experienced a, a measure of healing. Um, but then I see some people who, when they pray, they seem to see healing often and over a long period of time. And it's up to God how he, how he does that. Um, but it's great. All of it's great. It might also help you to ask somebody that you trust and somebody that knows you, do you have any sense of what my gifting is or what I'm good at? We did this the other night at a small group. The guys from the small group, we went for a drink and we just spent the evening just going around the table, sharing what we see in each other. And it was so encouraging. And we all learned something new about ourselves. So that's the first thing. Do you know what your gifts are? Explore them. And then secondly, are you using your gifts? And remember that Romans passage, um, Paul says to us, if your gift is this, use it. Um, Use it for God's kingdom. It's a clear instruction to us. He doesn't give us gifts simply so that we can use them for our benefit or for our own um, agenda, nor does he give us these gifts to store them up our sleeves for a rainy day. Um, And I think it's helpful to just very briefly just touch on this word gift. You know, in our culture, we have a certain understanding of what a gift is and and how we give gifts. And, you know, in most cases nowadays, if you give somebody a gift, um, you know, you leave it very much up to them what they do with it, don't you? You don't expect them to necessarily respond or reciprocate. And, you, you know, you don't sort of dictate that they have to use it in a certain way. 
unless you're an overbearing auntie who comes around to check that you are indeed using that casserole dish that she got you for Christmas. But in the ancient world, gifts had a really important role to play in relationships. And when somebody in the first century, in this context, if somebody gave you a gift, um, which could be generous and unprompted, there was very much an expectation that the recipient would respond appropriately in order to strengthen and maintain that relationship. And so it was, gifts were culturally important, and the response could have been um, actually returning a gift. It could have been um, acknowledging it and saying thank you. It could have been giving public praise. Um, but the, the main point was there was a response. And so it's helpful to bear that sort of that picture in mind when we read the word gift in the Bible because God gives us gifts and God's given us the most amazing gifts, hasn't he? I mean, most of all, he's given us Jesus and salvation, but he's given us all of these different natural abilities and spiritual gifts as well. He expects us to respond, to respond to them by using them for the benefit of those around us and for the sake of his kingdom. And it's just amazing when people just start to do that. I love it. I love it that that's what we're part of here together. Like I heard um, members of Trent Youth who are leading Christian unions in their schools and in their colleges or just hearing about the army of you that have joined or rejoined the Trent Kids team since we've gone back. And this Monday at our staff meeting, we were just sharing about what's going on in there. It just sounds like the most fun place to be. How could your gifts be harnessed for his kingdom purposes. So if you want some ideas of where to start, um, you might want to pick up, if you're not on a team here, you might want to just pick up one of these Trent Life magazines. You can get them at the Connect area, flick through, find something that you like the look of, and have a go. Um, We're really, really relaxed about teams in the sense that if you join up, you can try it a few times. If you don't like it, no pressure. You can find something else to do. Um, that might help to join a team. Another thing, we've got the Dreaming the Impossible banner at the back there. We have, Susie and Zeke talked about it last week, we have an ambitious goal of what we're trying to do in terms of that youth conference this summer, and we need an army. And so just really encourage you, if there's part of you that's just interested to find out more, head over there and get signed up to be part of the Dream Team. But of course, this stuff that we're called to, it's, um, it's bigger than just church ministries and activities and rotors. Um, God has stuff for us to do 24-7, everywhere he's placed us, through this city and beyond. And, um, you know, those examples that I gave you, for example, if you're good at practical things with your hands, what would it look like for you to use that skill to bless others in, in, you know, who haven't got the skills or the means in wherever you're placed? Or if you're good at chatting to people, are you helping to build community where God's put you in your workplace or on your street or online? If you're good at doing the one-to-ones, is there somebody in your life at the moment that you are investing in and discipling? If you're good at selling stuff, that's brilliant. Are you using that winsome persuasion um, to share your faith in Jesus? If you're a rule keeper, are you defending and standing up for justice and truth in love? And if you're a rule breaker, are you taking risks and ground for Jesus somewhere? It's about figuring out how to use our gifts where God has placed us for his name's sake. So just as I finish, um, there's this quote that's often, you've probably heard it, it's often attributed to Mother Teresa. I love it. I can do things that you cannot. You can do things that I cannot. Together, we can do great things. And I really believe that with Jesus as our head, as each part does its work, then we truly can.